This is July 19th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. On this episode, Connor Ryan and I got into some uh, pertinent topics in uh, the world of contracts and salary caps. Uh, we got into the, the recent news on Johnny Gaudreau and how that impacts David Pasternak's earnings, because I do think there is a little correlation there. Uh, we also got into Pavel Zaka, and if is he good enough to see if David Krejci doesn't return? Uh, and also, could he potentially help keep Pasternak? All interesting questions, all interesting summer questions. Uh, we also get into uh, if Don Sweeney is actually going to clear any cap space, because going off recent comments, I think there's kind of a clear answer. So uh, that is today's episode uh, of Bruins Beat. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. You were in Vermont over the weekend. Fun times, I imagine. Cool craft Vermonty kind of beer and cool when, Vermont did, cheddar burgers and things did, like that, I imagine. Did everything, Evan. You know, went to a farmer's market, got some, got some double market. IPA. <laughs> yeah, it was great. A typical, didn't go to Ben and Jerry's. We weren't able to make it there, but... All in consider had a little cabot cheddar. It all works Ooh. out. So, you know, we, we we checked off a lot of the stuff, you know, and again, right up right up the highway. So a nice little three hour jump. We'll go again on another time and go to Ben and Jerry's. I haven't got, haven't been there yet, but yes, as you said, great, great weekend to get away. You can go to the Ben and Jerry's in Framingham. It's the same thing. That is true. Exactly. Same difference. So anyways, but look like a, the pictures are great. Look like a fun time. I always forget about Vermont. Not like it's like irrelevant, but it's just, you know, it's a quiet state, but it has a lot of cool little breweries in it and stuff. Top three so. New England state, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that, probably is. That Maine. that Maine are in the top three. Sorry For to sure. everyone else, but. No, I agree. Maine is a hunt. Maine's like probably Maine's number, number one. Two. Oh, over, over. No, Mass is king. Come on. Come on. <laughs> okay. Mass is king. Maine is close, though. Maine is the way life should be. I believe that. Um, anyways, Bruins stuff. Bruins, Bruins, Bruins news. I wouldn't say things quiet down this week because as we kind of sit here waiting for the uh, David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron news to drop, whether they decide to stay or, or decide to come back or just never come back. Um, but it's an interesting thing. Kevin Paul DuPont wrote over the weekend in the Globe on uh, how Johnny Gaudreau choosing Columbus and the deal he took, $9.75 million annually over seven years, stunned everybody going to Columbus, Ohio, of all places. But again, I feel like everyone who's been to Columbus is like, nah, it's a cool city. Like, it's a cool place, you know? It gets overlooked because it's Ohio, and it's always like the butt end of every joke. But, like, it is the fans are passionate there. I will give them that. Like, the Blue Jackets fans do, like, playoff games there do seem very cool. I remember when the Bruins were there in 2019. It looked really sick. Um, but it's, it's interesting how it might affect David Pasternak's earnings. Because, again, they're comparable wingers. Pasternak's a little bit better of a goal scorer. Goudreau's a better setup guy, uh, but same similar ish tier of wings, I would say. Um, 
And again, we look at Charlie McAvoy, what he makes, 9.5 million. Pasternak has every right to make the same or more. Um, is there a chance that Gaudreau actually could have lowered the market for wings? Like, could this save the Bruins a little bit of money potentially? Um, I think it can in terms of the Bruins and the, the fear of him going to market. That being said, let's say we get to the worst case scenario and we get to next summer and Pasternak hasn't signed an extension and wants to go to market. The Bruins don't trade him by that point, which I have to imagine if they find out that he is going to market and I don't think they want him to walk for free. Uh, I still would not be surprised at all if Pasternak, you know, gets on the market and someone gives him 10 and a half, 11, 11 and a half. You have to oh, imagine. Yeah. That. Like, like I, I think it is definitely a surprise in terms of as soon as they announced that Goudreau was going to Columbus, I think the first, I forgot who first broke it, but it was, you know, Goudreau picked Columbus. Okay. What's the contract? I think we were all imagining. All right. If he's not going to Calgary and he wants to go somewhere else, it's not a place with hometown ties like Philly or the Islanders or anywhere close by. He's probably getting what? 12 million, 12 and a half. So I think it was, that was just, what I thought. Yeah. I think so. That was the most surprising is just what the, the payout was for him to go to Columbus. So I think it definitely helps the Bruins in terms of uh, maybe setting Pasternak's value a little bit. But that being said, uh, I think you look at it's, it's so tough one to just predict this market too, because Going to this free agency, do we think guys like Good Branson were getting four, four and four for contracts? Like you've seen quite a bit this year, especially of people throwing a ton of money at, you know, defensemen or what have you. If a guy like Pasternak's on the market and he's a guy that scores goals, can give you 40 goals easily year in, year out if he's healthy, is a really marketable player, uh, you know, has that offensive flair. I think there'd be a lot of teams if they have cast pace would be lining up to pay him double digits uh, pre. So definitely helps that, let's say, Goudreau didn't set a new tier of, let's say, it's, you know, 12 and a half, 13 million, of course. You McDavid that money. Maybe, yeah, that'd be, you know, it's good in terms of, you know, it's not something that Pasternak and his agents like JP Barry can look at and be like, all right, and like, I know you, you want to stay with Boston and they want you back. But I'm just saying you could probably get nine, nine and a half from them or, you know, there's 13 million waiting out there. They don't have that actual barometer of that tier in front of them, which I think helps out the Bruins, but it's all going to come down to, I think, uh, you know, the balls in Pasternak's court in, in terms of what he wants, because if he wants to stay here, he is going to get paid. It's just, you know, resisting the temptation of what could be out there if he wanted to hit uh, free agency in 2023. You can go to Detroit and make $13 million a year. Have fun in, have fun in Detroit, Michigan. Um, it is interesting with the Flames in the sense that, you know, again, we don't obviously cover the Calgary Flames, uh, so we are not as familiar with the inner workings of that team. But I am interested in like this past year, if there was any indication from Goudreau that, Hey, I, I want to go home. I, I I'm not interested in staying because it's tough. And it would have been a tough thing for the flames to do to have to trade Goudreau because they were gunning for a cup. That was a really good team. Um, and to give, it's kind of like how the Bruins were with Tori Krug in um, 2019, 2020, where they're going for a cup They're the president's trophy team. And, you know, you'd like to get something for Krug, but you also kind of want his contributions during the postseason. I think it was the same thing um, with Johnny Gaudreau in this past postseason. I don't think the Bruins will have the same problem, right? Because I don't think the Bruins are going to be a top tier team this year. I don't think anybody thinks that. And I think they're going to have a good idea come training camp if they're going to re-sign Pasternak, if they're far apart, or if Pasternak says, you know what, I want to go somewhere else, which again, there's no indication that he wants to go anywhere else. But if he does start to say, hey, I'd love to make the most amount of money. That's not going to come from the Bruins. Most likely it's going to probably come from somewhere else. Then you trade him. 
Like, and I think that's why the Bruins are actually not in the worst position here. Obviously, you do not want to trade David Pasternak. I want to make that very clear. Nobody wants to do that. But if they, but if they can't come to an agreement, if that looks like he wants to go somewhere else, then they're in a good spot where they can do it. Um, again, you're probably not competing for a cup next year. That would be a really bad start to the year without Pasternak and Marshan and McAvoy and potentially Grizzly. I mean, that is a rough, that's a rough first couple months, rough full year. Um, but at least you're getting, at least you would get something for him. Whereas Calgary just lost Johnny Goodrow. Yeah, that's devastating. Gone. Gone. Yeah, no, like yeah, that's not not good. That's the worst case scenario, and it's one where, as you said with Krug, the the parallels are that team was gunning for a championship. You're not going to remove him, even if you know that's one where you trade Krug at the time in the middle of it, and the the venom, the vitriol that comes in the next two three years of giving up an asset like Krug in the middle of that win now window, that's going to be there a lot longer than maybe seven eight years down the line. We're like, oh look at all this stuff we got for Krug. Yeah, it kind of sucked. Like you're always going to have that narrative or that that uh that second guess in the back of your mind when you subtract from a team that's trying to win now uh so that one yeah it's tough to draw parallels between that and let's say what they're reaching now with Pasternak where you look at what the flames right now where even if that team still has good pieces to build around and they had a great defensive foundation if you lose a guy like Goudreau a hundred point guy a guy who's so great especially at even strength for nothing devastating like you can't you can't have that for a team that looked like it was really building towards something and now as soon as you could draw sign with columbus what were all like the the columns that immediately came out it was like uh do the flames just blow it up like <laughs> that well, it shows you how quickly like the fortunes of a franchise can change when you let an ass like goudreau just walk for nothing when the window completely shuts and that is it's funny you know obviously everyone's kind of been crapping on the bruins uh lately because of prospects and things like that but the reality is the fact that the bruins have left a cup window open now since like 2007 until now is mind blowing. It is. It really is mind blowing. The, the, the cup window. I mean, I know like right now the cup window is not fully really open, but they're still compete. Like they're still competing for a playoff spot. Like the flames may have to blow it up. You know, again, they could also use that space to do other things. They could, uh, you know, I, I don't know what you do in that situation. You tread water next year. Cause then they have Markstrom and net, you know, Chuck's good. And, you know, they got good players. I know a lot of people around you always wonder about like Sean Monahan. So maybe he yeah, maybe this will be, be the year, Evan. He finally breaks the, through. It's like the well, who was it? it? Was Jonas Brodeen from the wild for a while that was like supposed to be a Bruin for so long. Yes. Right. And there was uh there was Gabe Landis Cog, uh Brandon Carla for Gabe Landis Cog straight up, which now might, in retrospect might have been a pretty good deal for the Bruins. Um way back, way back then. But before we get into David Craig's stuff, we want to tell you about our next, our new partner. Over at Athletic Greens, they have a product I use literally every day. Woo! Literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted better gut health and more energy. I actually do not drink coffee or use caffeine. I, I don't. I know, like, Connor, that's crazy to you. I don't mad use lad. I'm a mad lad. I go straight off what I got in the tank. Uh, but I Because I like healthier natural energy. And Athletic Greens has been providing it in droves. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy or anything either. It has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each and every morning. So what is this stuff? With one, one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75. Yes, 75. Five high quality, but I can't even cut that on my fingers. High quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. 
all the things because you and I, Connor, a lot of aging. Um, it's <laughs> clearly it's lifestyle yeah. friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting really good. This all supports better sleep quality and mental clarity. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Again, it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. It is so easy. This is so simple. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, our friends at Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs for your first purchase. Again, that's free. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Bruins. Again, that is athletic greens.com backslash Bruins to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Again, athleticgreens.com backslash Bruins. Look forward to using them more. They're terrific. I've been loving it lately. It's, it's, it's awesome stuff. I'm about, about blasting with energy, really. I mean, just, woo, you know, so great. Actually, it does make my stomach feel better. So I will give them that. Uh, anyways, moving along, um, an interesting thing of last week that I, I don't think we really saw coming. We were, we were prepped for free agency, Montgomery's presser, development camp, trades. A trade broke last week. The trade was one for one, Eric Holla for Pavel Zaka. Uh, and there's some interesting takeaways from the Pavel Zaka thing, right? You know, the contract, except for arbitration. Uh, there's where he fits in lineup, which we've kind of covered. Um, but an interesting thing I keep coming across is, you know, it seems like Patrice Bergeron is definitely coming back, right? At some point, the contract, you know, will be uh, incentive laden, low AAV, you know, unless something drastic happens, it feels like he's pretty much back, especially given like every single player and prospect and like Zaka, but like, oh, I can't wait to play with him in training camp. Um, so he'd be letting a lot of people down if he didn't come be back. Not great. Yeah, not great. But Krejci's a different kind of thing because Krejci's, you know, again, didn't was in the check last year. Uh, it would require moving his family back across the world. You know, it's a different dynamic to that where, you know, again, Sweeney said the negate, you know, the con- the conversations are good, but you never really know. And if Krejci doesn't return, is Zaka a good enough to see? Is that an upgrade over Eric Halla or even like a Charlie Coyle? Yeah. I mean, I, that's one of those things where I don't think we really know until he's putting that spot and i think it's something we talked about when we first were grading the zaka trade where listen if he's your third line left wing and he's with charlie coyle and craig smith i think that's a, a home run of a of a trade in terms of you're getting a younger player who you could probably have under a longer term deal whatever his new contract is as an rfa but that's the spot for him and he can work with coyle and smith uh, i think you have a lot of value there if he's your 2c a little bit tougher of a grade, right? Like that's yeah. one where if you're already moving on from Hollow, which as we've said before, are the Bruins at their best when Hollow's the two C? No, they needed an upgrade there, which is why we've talked about Krejci so much. But you at least knew what you're going to get with Hollow there. That if he's with Hall and Pasternak, he's going to at the very least be productive. I don't know if he's going to be a 80 point guy, but he's pretty much playing at like a 70 point pace once he was with those guys. And who knows? Maybe you put Zaka with Taylor Hall and David Pasternak. I would not be surprised if his numbers jump up quite a bit, right? But yes. it's also oh, one of those sure. where, you, where you don't know for sure if his style of play exactly is going to mesh as well. Because you could make the argument that in terms of overall talent and skills, that Charlie Coyle is a better center than Eric Halla, but it just didn't mesh nearly as well. So who knows how Zaka is, who's 
also more of a you know big bodied center who's a little bit different than a guy like hollow who plays with a lot more pace um and style play like that so can Zaka play 2C? Of course he can. But I think in terms of maximizing the value, it's better served further down the lineup. But that's all going to you know depend on what the dominoes fall in terms of Bergeron and Krejci uh, in terms of where exactly they are. So Zaka, a solid backup option. But if he's the, you know, the overall plan and then Krejci's just a, a hopeful uh, development in terms of, we hope it works out. <laughs> then you're okay. You know, it's one of those situations where maybe you're just looking at swatch, you know, switching out Hollow just in terms of his age and how long you want him in place for. But Saka is a little bit more of a wild card in that regard. He is a wild card. I also am interested though in his history with Pasternak. They played together uh, in the yeah. World Juniors. Um, and again, if and this is all if, by the way, if Krejci comes back, Zaka's not going to be the two C. So like this is, I guess this becomes moot. But like I'm just saying, like if he is with David Pasternak, they have a history. Yeah. So. There is that, like there is, I guess, that leg up in, in the sense. Another interesting take, uh, Fluto Shinzawa had this in The Athletic uh, recently, where he mentioned, it, you know, he kind of wondered if Zaka is sort of a piece to keep Pasternak happy. Um, and it's an interesting take, just because, you know, obviously, like right now, Pasternak would probably be with David Krejci if Krejci returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, uh, those guys are not going to be around forever. Krejci will leave again. Bergeron will leave again. And again, the future down the middle, not amazing. And if you want Poshnok to sign on long-term, part of that might be, hey, who's going to be my center? Who, you know, Marshand has had Bergeron for all these years. Poshnok's probably wondering, like, who's going to be my next guy? Who's going to be, you know, my wingman, in a sense, down the middle? And again, Zaka has the ingredients with, you know, heritage, playing together, like all those things that would mesh with David Posternock. I just don't know if that would like, I don't know if that's like, Oh, that's what kept him. The Pavel Zaka being here. That's what kept him. Cause even we don't even know what Zaka's contract's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the issue where like, I get it, but I, I don't know if that's going to be like, I think it's a, it helps, yeah. but I don't think it would ever be like the main thing. I don't, you know, interested to hear what you think about that. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, it's not like the Lakers where it's like, all right, we're just going to get all of LeBron James's friends and have him be like the GM. <laughs> like, I don't think it's that. Right. And I, that's not to say too, that, uh, the Bruins just need to get every single Czech player to make Pasternak happy. It's not like he's just, you know, only talks to Czech players and like that. He's really, you know, really liked in the room and has a lot of, you know, close connections with the rest of his his teammates. So, but yeah, I think as you said, can't, can't hurt. And it's not one where I think, you know, I think for Pasternak, who's already expressed, you know, a willingness to stay here. I think it's more or less mapping out the vision of, all right, not saying, all right, Pavel Zak is your, your, your center for the next five years. I don't know if that really, moves the needle. But in terms of, I think for him, it's just about pitching the future where it's, you know, him and McAvoy and Lindholm and Paul and Marchand at his stage of his career, Lysel and Lorai jumping in uh, when you've got more money off the books where the Bruins were going to be active and free and see to add more guys. We're in a, a market that people want to come to. Pavel Zaka doesn't even have to move because he lives in yeah. Boston already. So how convenient is that yeah, to get traded absolutely. to the team that you train, that you live at during the summer? Yeah. So, I mean, like again, Boston's beyond just the original six history and all that stuff is a, a market that hockey players want to be in, in terms of the, location you know how passionate fans are the resources here the amount of pros that are here during the season the off season all that stuff so the Bruins will be active once they have money freed up now is that going to be two three years down the line but this is a team that if they're looking at you know 2025 and you got these guys in place with McAvoy and Pasternak they're not going to just let 
top tier free agents, you know, uh, they're not going to be on the sidelines for those either. So I think for Pasternak, it's all about, of course, it helps having guys like Zaka and other Czech players there. But Zaboral. Zaboral as well. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things where most importantly, it's just mapping out that vision. Uh, because again, I don't think he's a guy who necessarily wants to break the bank here in Boston. I don't think he's a guy that, you know, wants to test free agency. I think he likes playing here. It's just, I think for him, it's making sure they maximize his 28, 29, 30 year old seasons. He doesn't want to be part of a bottom feeding team at that time. So it's going to be a situation where they have to map out. They have a five-year plan, which kind of talked about we need to see what exactly the five-year plan is if they're running it back this year it's a little bit tougher to map out what lies ahead but i think that's the most important priority for the bruins and for Pasternak is all right we know you want to be here but we need to make it worth your while to buy into this team because we don't want you to be wasting your prime years as well safe bet that david Pasternak probably comes back right that's pretty safe fairly safe bet but we're talking really safe bets talking about our good friends over at Bet online, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's Major League Baseball scores, the latest fighting news, next season's early NFL futures, and NBA and NHL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get in on the action. Again, promo code CLNS50. Bet online, where the game stats. stats. Where the game stats. Uh, what do you think Zaka gets on his contract? What, what do you think he comes uh, out? Uh, I'll go question three Question of the day. Question of the I'll go, year. I'll go, I'll go three, two, five. How about that? Because I think he's arbitrated instead of three. I'll do three, two, five. It's good. But I mean... I almost said it's a good yep. bet. It is a good bet, <laughs> but I do. I, that is a reasonable number. And that's also not going to break the bank. Um, Cause again, I mean, he was what, it was a $3 million qualifying offer. He was supposed to get, so, you know, it's coming above three. Yeah. Um, I would say that 3.25. I was worried for like a second. I don't know why I was thinking this, but I was like, I wonder if they're going to do what they did with like Charlie Coyle, where they give him this long-term deal hoping because that's Sweeney where kept mentioning, yeah. Sweeney kept mentioning he's got this ceiling. You know, we think he's got so much more to give and they felt the same way about coil. And I was sitting there going, Hmm, wonder if they're going to give him like a five-year deal worth yeah. like, you know, you know, 4.9 or 5 million where it's like, that's a huge, you know, that's a huge ask because they have not been good with those contracts the past couple of years. It's funny. Cause like you look at contracts like coil and Carlo at the time, those look good. And then it was kind of based off like we expect a lot more. We, you know, we're kind of betting on them in a sense, and it just right. hasn't really panned out. So hopefully, for their cap sake, they do you know one to three years. It'll probably I would imagine it would be around that at like three point two five. They might do a whole thing where they say hey, we're gonna give you a one year deal, three point two five. Prove yourself. I wonder if they do that. You know, I mean. I don't know. I feel like you'd rather have. Feels three. like you'd rather lock them up, but yeah, no, it's definitely one where it's one of those things where I think the overall it's so tough to grade that Zaka trade, right? Because we have to figure out one where he fits in the lineup and what he's getting paid. Because if it's even like three and a half, three seven five, maybe you could you could justify it. But as you said, if it's all of a sudden it's four and a half, five million, you look at where exactly he probably is best maximized on this roster. Probably in that on the wing, middle six, you know, can be two C in a pinch. Then it's easier to kind of map out. But if it's another one, like you said, like Coil, then it's, oh, okay. That's, yeah. you know, you're replacing Hall of a, a cost-controlled veteran for a guy that's younger, maybe has a higher ceiling, but 
they're also sacrificing some valuable cap space along the way. Yeah. Speaking of cap space, by the way, a lot of people are wondering, hey, one of the Bruins going to clear more cap space because even though they dumped Hala, they still are actually going to probably have to spend more on Zaka. So like they, this is that was not a cap clearing move. Um, it was a good move because they got younger and bigger and all those things, but it was not a cap clearing move. Um, it's funny. Don Sweeney was asked, you know, about uh, his depth on defense last week. He was asked about the buyout market. He kept saying no with, with buying out players says he's still, he said he might change, but he's a no for now. Uh, you know, he, he was asked about defensive depth. He said, you know, it's good to have it. Injuries come up, all this stuff. And you look at the beginning of the year when they're going to be without Marshan McAvoy, um, and potentially Grizzly, and they could put that them all on LTIR if they'd like to. And it's going to be like an extra like 19 million in cap space, all three of them. Um, it doesn't feel like they're going to clear cap yet, unless something comes up. Maybe they change courses and Mike Riley gets dealt or Nick Felino gets bought out, but it doesn't feel like they're going to be clearing cap. Feels like it might be more of LTIR. I'm just curious what they're going to do when those guys come back. Yeah, that's why I, I still feel like there's another shoe to drop in terms of, as you said, like maybe a Riley trade or what have you. Because I think if you go in just with the expectation over, right, we have a little bit of cap flexibility because of LTIR. Okay, so what happens when you get to November and these guys are coming back? It's not like these are guys that are, you know, it's in the, you know their status is up in the air. There's a pretty set, you know, barring any complications, time for when these guys are going to be back. So what happens? Okay, you get to that point in November, you're quite a few dollars over the cap. Uh, all what? right, maybe. Yeah. So at that point, are you putting, let's say Felino is not bought out. Are you putting him down in Providence? It saves you a little bit of money. It's also a very awkward situation. It's almost, I think, worse to send someone down to, you know, Providence as opposed to like just buying out and, you know, cutting the cord now and letting them go somewhere else in free agency. Um, I mean, that's an option, but then, all right, you still have to clear up some space. So are you looking at moving a guy like Raleigh then in November, which, Okay, you can do that. I'm sure there's plenty of teams that will take a guy with his talents, especially at that $3 million cap hit off your hands, but you kind of destroyed all your leverage at that point, right? Like, because, all right, we have to get under this cap limit. There's no other way we can do it. What what's, you know, holds a team from then playing hardball with you and be like, all right, we'll take Riley. He's a good player for a fourth-round pick, right? Yeah. Like, even if it's, you know, you, you move him now and it's a third rounder or something like that, you're still hurting your value a little bit in terms of not taking care of it now as opposed to later. So I know Sweeney said that, you know, they're not looking at, you know, that defense is important, all that stuff. That's true. But also you have Zaboral and Ashan and all these guys here. You at least have bodies. Like yes. and when it comes to the most pressing issue, yes, you want to make sure you have your ducks in a row in terms of depth and, and uh, how to prep in case injuries happen, which talky that will always happen but you have to i think be pragmatic and looking ahead to you can't you know get past this hurdle of the cap space and getting under that limit without moving some guys so might as well do it now which is what i imagine the reason why there's a holdup right now because i think they'd rather get that cap situation somewhat settled or at least make it a little bit easier to to navigate now as opposed to signing them now and getting to November and all of a sudden you're stuck in a jam where, all right, like are we getting to November and they can't activate McAvoy for a game or two because they have to get under the cap limit, which it's not good. You'd rather no. not have that happen. So I have to imagine they're still assessing their options now as opposed to pushing that kind of down the road because sooner or later you got to deal with it. Yeah. And again, even at depth on D they have so many on the left side, they got like nobody on the right. You're going to have so Connor Carrick is going to be like your everyday third pairing right shot defenseman until McAvoy comes back. I mean, again, I know they like internal competition. Maybe they put Zaboral on that right side, but it is just one of those things where 
you know, I get they have no cap space or they, you know, they didn't have much, but on free agency day, I was just kind of uh, surprised they didn't do more on the right side on D. They kind of just got Carrick, got, you know, Vinny Terry for up front. They got Keith Kincaid up, you know, down back. So, you know, again, it's a problem they got to face, as you said. And they lose all the leverage if you, if you, they go into the season where it's like, we got to get rid of Mike Riley, you know, oh, right. here's this fifth round pick for him where he probably could have got you something solid at the draft. You could have got maybe, you know, two thirds out of him, maybe. The other thing is you have to wonder, like, they have a lot on the left side uh, at the start of the season. You know, is Riley going to even be playing every day to start the year? Like, then you've kind of dwindled his value even more, where it's like, yeah, he's played you know, 12 games so far this year. And, you know, you're not exactly getting someone, fra- you know, someone who's, you know, in the middle of a heater, you know, he's on, he hasn't played much this year. So it's an interesting thing. You know, luckily it's not our job. We just get to sit here and judge it. We don't have to actually do the cap gymnastics. We can sit here and go, Hey, this is what you should do. Um, so anyways, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at Boston sports journal? Yeah. We're going to have you covered every step of the way this off season. Uh, we still have uh, more takeaways, uh, stories from dev camp from last week which we'll be breaking down uh this week we'll have we can head it for you know the bergeron and Krejci contracts what as you said cap gymnastics they might have to deal with there plenty of other stuff throughout this offseason as it hopefully starts to slow down a little bit but all that stuff will be over at bostonsportsjournal.com so please subscribe over at bsj if you want to follow me on twitter you can do that at connor ryan underscore 93 Go do all that. And remember to go subscribe to Bruins Rinkside if you haven't already. That has been Bruins Beat for this week. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week. Mm-hmm.